0: Like, he forgot he was Taliban. I never forgot I was CIA. These are the new roadside bombs, more sophisticated
1: and far more powerful than before. Packing a charge closer to 140 pounds. More than
0: 15 counter-IED teams are deployed around Afghanistan. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Heroes Behind Headlines. Today's guest is my good friend and co-author and former CIA officer, Doug Lau. He and I wrote a book together about his experience in Afghanistan in 2016 called Left of Boom, which became a New York Times bestseller. Today, Doug is gonna talk about his mission in Afghanistan, which was to take down the IED network that killed and maimed hundreds and thousands of U.S. troops and the man who led that network, who is was codenamed Wolverine. Doug is today's hero behind the headlines. Uh, Doug, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your
0: background? Sure. I'm um, from the Midwest, pretty basic childhood. Uh, my dad was a steel worker, mm-hmm. worked there 43 years straight. Wow. Right. For the same company? For the same company and had every job in the entire factory. And my mom, uh, she worked as a waitress and hostess at a nearby, um, I guess, I mean, you could call it a country resort, but mm-hmm. don't please don't believe that it's like Malibu. Right. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. So, uh, yeah, I went to the only high school in the entire county, so it was big. And the county that I went to high school in and that we lived in, I think, is the second poorest in the entire state of Indiana. Wow. And it's huge. So, you know, most of my friends lived in the trailer parks. So that's where I cut my teeth. Mm -hmm. You know, then from there, uh, you know, graduated high school. I think my class was four to five hundred students. I think maybe 11 went to college. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah and uh, like two or three of us, I think, went to Indiana University.
1: Weren't you studying to be a doctor? Yeah, Uh
0: so I got there and they make you declare. Okay. And so I was a biology major for all of about five weeks. 9-11 happens and it just flipped everything on its head. And so I saw that and then I started reading all of this stuff and I'm like, oh my God, there's a world outside of the state of Indiana. It was a real awakening, I'm only 18. And I've never had to really know these things. The world is bad. So I immediately switched my major like on like 913 Hmm. to uh, political science. Mm -hmm. Started, took that for a year and then also added on Japanese, Mm -hmm. East Asian studies, started learning a foreign language because of those, what seemed like a caprice now and a rash decision is the only reason I got into the CIA because- My senior year, all of the jobs I was applying for, I was like, oh my God, blow my head off if I have to do this shit for the next 40 years till I retire. And so I was gonna go into the Marines and go into officer candidate school. Mm -hmm. And I had a meeting set up with Marine in like four days. And I was like, you know what? I was probably a little buzzed up. And I was like, I'm gonna apply to the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. And of those, like- no joke three days later the cia calls me Hmm. and uh it was a call with probably like a 202 prefix area code so i answer i'm like who is this uh yeah hi um were you applied for our organization um we are the organization located in langley virginia and i'm like uh huh what they go mclean virginia and i go i i'm not tracking and yeah. she's like did you apply for a governmental position three days ago and i'm like i applied for a lot of them she's like okay this is the one in mclean and i go i don't and yeah. she's like because <laughs> she doesn't want to say it and yeah. i go and i'm thinking i'm like is this the cia <laughs> and she's like <laughs> i imagine she just wanted to hang up the phone right there right. And if she had been drinking milk it would have blew out her nose but um she's like yes and um i'm gonna ask you some questions please don't say that uh, phrase again i said okay and then she's asked me all these questions and i'm muttering and stuttering and she's like i tell you what i'm gonna tell you when i'm gonna call you this next time i'm gonna call you in 48 hours at 8 a.m please be more prepared and be ready so we can have a cogent conversation
1: <laughs> don't go out the night before yeah, yeah.
0: you know again i don't want to talk too much about it point is fast forward i got through that There's a lot of stuff that goes into that and it takes a really long time. And uh, then you have to fill out the SF86, which is about a 40-page document. And if you don't think that they are going to fulfill what they say they're going to do, you are wrong. Because they tell you, we are going to interview everyone you lived with in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, they won't. And you list them, and yes, they do. And my buddies who lived on milk farms They're pulling up in big black SUVs unannounced. They just roll up and they're like, hey, with DSS, do you know Douglas Fowkes? Well, what's the first thing you think? Oh, shit. What did he do? (laughs) You know, and they're like, well, what did he do this? He applied for a government clearance. Well, now I'm like, oh, shit. They're all calling me. So what do I tell them? And I had accepted a job with a company called DHL, a shipping company. So off the cuff, I came up with the idea. I said, well, I have access to tarmacs in packages that go on planes. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be cleared by the United States government. That's what this is. <laughs> and I couldn't kind of believe I came up with it because uh, it was extemporaneous as fuck, right, right. and uh, it worked. And so I got through and then, yeah, man, uh, eventually they give you that green light. Yeah. And they're like- And that process God. took about how long?
1: Oh, from, Jesus.
0: From well, first call to- You gotta keep in mind, for, for people, if you were living here in Los Angeles, I don't know, Speculating they could clear you hot in a month because it's all centralized and there's so many officers that can do that work. When you're having to drive out to rural Ohio and Indiana and the nearest field office is Detroit, yeah. maybe I don't know. I'm um, yeah. so but mine took well over a year. Wow. Of constant investigations and tests and polygraphs and all of that. So
1: it's a lot. So I so now you're in the CIA. You're mm-hmm. young. How old are you? I had just turned 23. Wow. Yeah. 23. So now you're in, you're 23 years old, you're living in DC, <laughs> yeah. and knowing you, you you want to get like straight into the action, right? So yeah. so how long did that take?
0: Oh my god.
1: I didn't do any research. And yeah. this again points to like
0: the way I eventually then carry out my operations and stuff like this. I don't know. You could argue it was for the better that I went in blind or yeah. you could argue you were stupid. Initially, it really set me behind the curve. The only thing that saved me is this, there is no degree in espionage. Because mm-hmm. if there were, then I never would have got in because I can tell you my contemporaries on the first day I started, they had read all the books. Yeah. And they spoke like five languages, every single one of them. And uh, I thought they were, wow, the bee's knees. Anyway, point is, is that uh, when I first started, you know, I'm 23 years old. Before the farm, the CIA does not have the fucking time to train you and hold your fucking hand. And they basically want to break you down Mm -hmm. or not break you down, the farm breaks you down, they wanna break you in. Mm -hmm. They want you to see day-to-day activities in headquarters for a long time. And the monotony of it. Yes, and how it works. Right, And they want you to see who's really controlling the program Mm -hmm. because it's not people in the field. It's headquarters CIA, okay? That's who runs the show. Right. And I learned that it has to be that way. Yeah. And I'll explain why. It's the same way with the military. Yeah. No, you're going to fire that weapon this way because when it really hits the fan, I need to know that you're going to do it right, okay? And so anyway, I did that for a long time. And then as I wrote in the book, I got lucky because um, my boss, I did a big favor for him. I did a big solid for him. And he's like, hey, that was really awesome stuff. I won't forget that. Yeah. And he didn't because six months later, he was in charge of who goes down to the farm. He got, that's a lot of power. Yeah. And so a lot of the trainees are kissing his ass, trying to have meetings with him. What can I do? But um, I never went down once. And he even invited me to come down like three or four times. And I just ignored him. And so it's like, three days before the farm starts Mm -hmm. and uh he (laughs) sends me a message and he's like my office now this is not a request and i walked down there and he's just like do you even do you even want to go to the farm do you want do you like this job and i said what i'm doing now i fucking hate it exact words and he was (laughs) like i can tell (laughs) and i was like i didn't sign up to be a secretary and i'd been doing it for several years He's like, well, I'm sending you down. You know, you leave in like three days, and I was like, ah, no shit, yeah, thank you. And he was like, you're 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 being accelerated. Do you understand that I could hold you back for like several more years? And I was like, yeah, that's awesome, thank you. And he's just like, he's like, on that list, like it's you and one other person that's getting accelerated. Do you understand that? I'm like, cool you know like it's like he's expecting a box of chocolates you wanted to jump up and down and i was like good that's good yeah because i still didn't know what to expect there so you go to the farm yeah so and how long that's that's six months i can't say how long it's uh a really long time yeah because i can't say if you're listening to this and you're at your computer google it and it will tell you i just cannot say it okay and i can't confirm if you googled it if it's correct just look it up. It's okay. probably pretty right. Okay. You know, I'll say so that. You, so you learn you it's learn. Long. The, yeah.
1: You learn the the craft of yeah, tradecraft. The tradecraft. Not witchcraft. Yeah. Tradecraft. Yeah, tradecraft. Tradecraft.
0: <laughs> so yeah, they teach you espionage. Yeah. And that's where I got to excel and shine. Right. Because we are all starting at zero. When I was in the office, there are people I swear to God, numerous colleagues that i was going through the program with had got 1600s on the sat seriously right but tradecraft is tradecraft is tradecraft that's doing things and dealing with people and i'm good at that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i was like oh yeah baby in cia training you're learning all these different techniques they want to make sure that when they deploy you you're going to know what to do when it goes sideways so anyway so so you come out of the farm, you graduate. Yep. Yes, I did. And then what happens? Well, then I thought I was like in Metallica or something because I like had a real axe to grind cuz uh once you come out and you're certified, that's the Willy Wonka golden ticket, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of do whatever you want at that point. Yeah. You're a case officer. Right. Like you're the fighter pilot. Yeah. And so when I came back, they told me I was going to Baghdad and yeah. I said, "No, nah, absolutely not." Yeah. I put on my card, and that became lore. I put on my card. When you say where you want to go, you pick three places. I said, "I don't care any place that will send me to Afghanistan." Number two, the cafeteria as a cook. Number three, one of those guys in those green jackets that escorts the uh, people around the hallways. Then <laughs> I handed it in. <laughs> I swear to God. And so they knew send him to Afghanistan, yeah. and they still because they needed red blood in Baghdad. And uh, they're like, yeah, no. And so I got in a big argument with the lady and I said, well, then I'm just gonna go and leave without pay. And she about fainted. And it was a Friday. Then I drove home and I rock and rolled with my buddies and uh, I came back on Monday and that person's boss called me into their office. And they said, "Um, where are you trying to go in Afghanistan? And I said, to a forward operating base, a FOB. And I want to go to one of the far off ones, nothing close to Kabul. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He's rolling his eyes and I said, let me stop you. Why do you roll your eyes? I go, I know for a fact, case officers, you can't pay them enough to go out there. So I'm telling him, I'm like, why are you rolling your eyes? I'm doing you you a favor. You have someone begging you. I should not have to beg you to go to a place that 90% of this organization will not go to, and would quit over. And I'm telling you I'm going to quit if you don't send me. <laughs> That's a one-to-one replacement. So those people that are screaming at you, I can't do it because I have you know, a spouse and four children and a life here. I have nothing, and I will go so far beyond the wire for you guys. I would do anything. Just please do it. And so he pondered it for a few days, and then he called me, and he said, And this was brilliant of him. He goes, if you're gonna go out there and do those things, I'm gonna enroll you in a Pashtun language program. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, fine. How long is it? And he's like, it's a year. And I was like, oh fuck, a year of my life? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, fine.
1: At this point, Doug had been in the CIA approximately four years with one year spent studying Pashtun, the language of Eastern Afghanistan and Western Pakistan. Doug also spent a lot of time studying different tribes in Afghanistan and their unique cultures. He knew he was going into the shit, as they say in the military, and he wanted to be ready. This knowledge and the skill set Doug developed were instrumental in him targeting the Taliban's most lethal weapon, improvised explosive devices, or IEDs. When Doug says that he wanted to be transferred to a forward operating base, this wasn't the norm most people in the cia would prefer to stay in kabul where it's much safer but doug wanted to be at the tip of the spear he wanted to help turn the tide of the war well the people in
0: afghanistan know that yeah and they're going oh we have a fluent pashtu speaking case officer in right. country uh and then they would call the other chief of base you know and go could you send him up here, please? (laughs) Because we have this very uh, specific thing we want to do with him. And then if my personal chief approved of it, he'd go, okay, I'll put him on loan to you for a week. So I was on the helicopter a lot that first year and uh, going from base to base to base. And so you know, it really gave me perspective of the whole country because a lot of people, if they just serve in Kabul, they don't leave. I had that luxury and I think it really made me a better officer. And I don't think many people had that experience mm-hmm. of getting to touch the whole place mm-hmm. because it, the fabric, you really then start to understand that's why this, because I know that group of people and I know that group of people and you only knew that group and you don't understand that. And you group. don't know why they don't get along. Yeah, but right. that group is in involved a different language. Yeah. in the government yeah. too. And you might have only dealt with people in Kabul but you never talk to the Taliban. Yeah. You talk to the representative. Right. Well, who do you think they're going to send to you? They're going to send a. They're probably sending you a doctor. Yeah. Seriously, like right. a doctor educate. They're in the Taliban too. People right. forget that. They're people think they all just live in caves and they're monsters. No, there are doctors. Let me just tell you of like philosophy of religion yeah. of medicine who are joining because they're really religious. That's what it is. That's right. I mean. Al Qaeda, the guy who blew himself up at Coast, Humam Al Bulawi, he was a doctor, you know. So like, yeah. he he was down for the cause, right? So um, yeah, I, I I'm really thankful, honestly, that the guy who I kind of hated put me in that Pashto program mm-hmm. because it opened so many doors for me to do so many unique things that nobody else got to do, mm-hmm. and it was because I spoke that
1: language. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit about your arrival in uh in Afghanistan and then uh which base you were you were sent to and what was your you know what was your mission what were you yeah. well you got to understand this is 2010 i get to kabul before
0: i am going to go to my forward operating base that we agreed upon and i am at what's called a black site which means it's not just a fob it's an undeclared fob it is a place that we don't want you to know that we're there And we don't want anyone to know we're there. It's black, it's in the black. Okay, it's hidden. And it was in a former Russian prison. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep tight. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, as I was heading out, I was like, hey, um, so I'm gonna be in Taliban country, I'm in their backyard uh what do we know about the local commander who's the shadow governor who's the shadow commander how many men are on the ground blah 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 this is that and so uh i got out to that first black site yeah tell us about that arrival well i had been on a lot of helicopters but not so many so fast in like a span of a few days yeah which became my life and so you know i started to realize how they operate and they fly with their doors open at Mm -hmm. altitude in Mm -hmm. the winter because they got to have gunners on both sides Mm -hmm. it's real cold yeah (laughs) yeah. and it's real choppy at altitude and so you know until you get used to it it's scary yeah i mean because your mind's like we're gonna rack. you know if you get turbulence you're like oh but eventually you just sleep through it right right this is child's play but uh uh yeah it was scary and then we get there you and, went in at night right oh yeah, yeah. yeah i mean yeah definitely and uh it's a desert and so when that lands and they told me like um have like snow skiing goggles yeah have those yeah. buy some you yeah know? so i did and um i take off my nods my night vision and i put on the goggles. So you can't see, and people, you don't understand what pure black, go lock yourself in your closet, that's what it looks like, there is no, there are no buildings, there are no street lights, and there aren't lights in the distance either. You know, like, oh, the city's three miles away, it kind of still gives us a glow. glow. No, and there's no stars out, and it's sand blocking out everything. You cannot see your hand if it's in front of your face, you're in a closet. Wow. But you can smell all of the sand, and it's burning your throat, and then, they have like a flight line, you know, and they're mm-hmm. guiding you. And mm-hmm. so you can, I take that back. It's not in front of you, but cause I can see this person's back marginally. Yeah. So right. I know follow him. And as I'm following him, uh, a guy comes up to me and he grabs me and he's like, are you Steve? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, all right, right, I'm chief, whatever. I can't remember what, cause I had to give him a fake name. I'm yeah. chief Joe. I'll be back in three weeks. All right. Uh, knock him dead and then slaps me <laughs> and then i keep following like this other guy and then like ground branch dudes roll up and they're like get in and you know and then we tear off and i'm like what have i gotten myself into dude like yeah this is scary and again you're not even i look back at it now it's surreal yeah it's almost like a dream then because it's really happening to you it's real and yeah. you don't see it as surreal you see it as scary right big difference yeah by the 50th time I'd done that, I'm like, God damn it. Where the fuck is ground branch? It. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. the first two or three times, your, You're like, is your sphincter is like real. in yeah. your throat. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, then we got to the base, and they're like, yeah, you live in this Russian prison. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. What? I am terrified. Yeah. You know, what must have happened at this place? And but, your
1: mission at this point is? Wide open. Okay, wide open. Like, just go to the base and gather intelligence. Yeah, like, figure out what's going on down
0: there. <laughs> And so I started meeting with the local military um, and their J2, which is their intelligence, J2S2. And they're like, yo, we can't really leave the base because there's so many IEDs. And every time we go out, we get hit and it's just not worth the risk. The reward isn't, you know, we'll just, we'll try to do signal intercepts and pick their cell phones or put up a drone or whatever. Like, it's too dangerous to roll out, Wow. you know? And so if they rolled out, They'd plan that mission deep. Yeah. Like that'd be like a two week planning operation to go to Ashura. And so I'd always ask them, You make sure that I'm part of that. Yeah. Okay. Because
1: I want to meet these people. And so um So Ashura is like a local like council meeting type. Sometimes
0: they call it a jurga, sometimes they call it a Shura. A loya jurga, you definitely wanna be a part of. That means the big meeting. Right. Okay. You really that's when the elders are gonna make sure they're there. Ashura, you know, or just a jurga most of them would be the tribal leader. That's like 40 or 50, mm-hmm. which is old by the way, in Afghanistan. Yeah, That's you've lived a long life. But if they get the guy who's 70 there, yeah. that's like, that's like Methuselah, you right. know, that dude's 200 and U S years. You remember when the Soviets were <laughs> oh, here. Right. Please he's father time. Right. But, um, so yeah, I go to all these meetings and, um, I started to basically make known mm-hmm. who I was and, The difficult thing is that I wanted to dress like them during those meetings, but because I was rolling with the military, I had to dress like the military, but I still stood out to them because I carried a different weapon and I wore different body armor and they could tell I wasn't wearing boots. I had on like shoes, like Solomon shoes, you know? And, um, but otherwise BDUs. And, uh, but I wore like tiger stripes. I didn't wear digital camo. So they're like, "Who's he? why why is he different? and it came to me in my mind for better or worse you know fuck this this is a war zone i'm gonna fucking tell them straight up to their face i'm cia you want money and then i just busted the nut like right there like they'd come up and they they would they didn't think i spoke Pashtu. and then they'd be like where's the interpreter i want to talk to this guy or something like this and I'd be like, "Salam Alaikum, you know, Tsingi Yeh, Jordi and I, shade yeah. Like, how are you? How's your family? That's right. the, that's the, hey, what's up? How are you? How's your family? How's your life? Mm-hmm. Are you healthy? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, Burr. and then, the, then they're like the whole, you know, then everybody's looking at you like you're Bigfoot. Good. That's what I wanted. Right. And then that's when I'd make my sales pitch and I'd say, hey, everybody, I'm not with the military. I work for the government. I'm not with USAID, okay? And they're like, CIA, they know what it means. Yeah. They, uh, please don't think, they don't know what the CIA is. Right? We've been, the, the Soviets, you know, they know who yeah. we are. And they're like, uh, you know, so the CIA asked, are you CIA? Albata, absolutely you know and, <laughs> right. and then they're like whoa, whoa. what yeah. because they expect me to go well let's Maybe, dance yeah and that's what i was kind of instructed to do right Psst, No, so i say i bata yeah. and then i would tell them in posture gentlemen it's like this if you want money and you know important things and i know you know because i'm in the open here and nobody's going to tell me because they don't want to be right a ra- if you know something come and talk to me i want to get rid of these bad people if you hate me right now, you don't have to come talk to me. Right. If you do, this is my number. Call me yep. and we'll set up a meeting and we'll hash this shit out. Yeah. And, and uh I've got money. And I have endless amounts of money. Yeah. I made that clear. And so um and again, you you hear that and you go, that's really rude. Not in Afghanistan because when you're a fifth world country and you're hungry, All day, every day, and you just want to feed your family and stop your babies from crying. Yeah, they they appreciate the fact that you go. I will pay you Mm -hmm. to tell me information, Mm -hmm. and it's not seen as like rude or rude or gauche like it would be here. Like to come right out. You know, we work in a conversation. You have some drinks, and then you go, "Hey, let's talk business over dessert." No, because they'll come right out to you and be like. This body armor, can I buy it off of you? And that's their opener. That's their cold open. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. So anyway, um, one of the people, a lot of people called me. One of the guys who called me uh, is this guy named Abdul, and he called me. And um, I don't do business over the phone. That's bad juju in any country, even Afghanistan. People can track your phone pretty easily. Even independent people, if they know what they're doing. Sure. And it's not that expensive. Yeah. So. Um, he's like, hey, um, do you understand me? And I, you know, like pohege, do you understand me? What I'm saying? Can yeah. you understand Pashto? Yes, go. And so then he's like, wow, okay. Um, I have a Stinger missile, and I, you know, for the listeners, a Stinger missile is what we gave the Afghans to shoot down Soviet aircraft. Yeah. It's they go for about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a pool. Okay, they're highly effective. They're heat-seeking. Um, Charlie Wilson's War, if you guys have seen that, that's what they were giving them. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're really effective, very expensive, and yeah. we gave out a ton of them. Some would say it helped to turn the tide of the Soviet War. Mm-hmm. Okay, Very awesome weapon. Well, a lot of them got left behind. And the DOD has like a recovery program because mm-hmm. we want them back. Because we didn't want the Taliban getting them firing them at us. Because if you fired it at a US aircraft, it's going to knock it down. They're that effective. So, And we trained them how to use them. (laughs) So (laughs) they know how to use them properly. They're not just firing it backwards. So he said he had a stinger. And I'm like, you don't have a stinger. And I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Do you have a camera on your phone? Yes. Okay. I want you to take a picture of the stinger and I want you to come in and I want you to show it to me. And if you really have it, and then you can bring it to me. I will pay you lots of money. And then we're in the meeting, and he's bullshitting around with me. And I'm like, bro, did you, did you take a picture or not? Because if you didn't, you've just wasted my time. And he's like, yeah. And he shows it to me, and it's an SA-7 Chinese rocket, yeah. which is like an RPG, which I wouldn't have given him $10 for. So we go round and round, and I'm thinking, well, I got him here. Is there anything else I can do to like squeeze some juice out of him? Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, hey, do you know... I, you know are you connected like do you ever go into like Pakistan do you ever like travel into Iran like and as a intelligence officer we have like a saying like I don't have the time to build your access but I find myself building his access and come to find out uh, he knows some guy named Haji John who was in the Taliban and when I say Taliban I mean the mid-90s Taliban when they took over with Malomar. people forget just like they are now as they were then, they were a legitimate government. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia and Pakistan both recognized them. Those were the only two countries, but Mm -hmm. they did. So with Haji John, he says, you know, I know this guy who used to work for the Taliban's government, Mm -hmm. you know, and he has official documents that he can prove that he used to work there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, get out of here. And because, and then again, this is maybe my naivete. I knew that they had had a government and I knew that they were legitimate. But I didn't know that they like had actual real documents that said this guy right. works for the Foreign Affairs Department and this right. guy works, yeah. yeah this guy you know works for uh, the Commerce and right. this guy works for this and this guy works for that and I'm like oh shit I guess they would yeah I mean they have to have a Water Department right I mean, and I thought right oh, if they're I running guess. the country yeah and I kind of felt stupid at that point like I had never thought of that yeah.
1: So could you just uh, go through one time, sort of the process of a uh, first, approximately where the base is located, mm-hmm. and then could you tell us the process of how these, what these people had to go through to get into the base? Because it's it's highly secure. Right? Yeah. So I'm calling it a
0: black site because that's what we call it, and it's off the beaten path to the world, but not to the locals. I mean, they know it's this, there. Is their, yeah, this is this their, this is their territory. Yeah. and what's that thing? Oh, that's the old Russian prison. Yeah. Let's go up to it. Oh, once we get right on top of it, we have guns pointed at our face and we're told to go away. So now the word's going to spread. Well, what do you think? They see me, they see, you know, the people putting the guns. Oh, that's an American. Oh, it's probably CIA base or something. I right. mean, they're not stupid. People think they're so stupid. Of they're course. not. So with like, whether it be Mahmoud or Abdul or Haji John, and I'll get into Mahmoud. um, If they're going to meet me there, which is preferable, Mm -hmm. or I could meet them in a wadi, Mm -hmm. which is like a dried out riverbed to get onto that base. They're going to have to go through security. And I, I don't handle that. You know, we have people for that. Mm -hmm. So they're going to, you know, come to a designated location that we tell them. And I don't want to give away too much because I think some of this got redacted they're going to meet them at a designated location that i told them and then our security people who handle that will go there with an interpreter and handle it and make sure everything's okay in the way that they do and then uh bring them onto the base mm-hmm. you know and where are you meeting them on on the base so i had a uh like a uh, meeting room established and they're brought to me in this meeting room that i would set up ahead of time depending on who it was mm-hmm and uh what type of person they were and if they were a musher masharan, meaning high ranking like mm-hmm. a village elder you know i might go get some uh, nice dried dates mm-hmm. you know and like um some hot meat you mm-hmm. know and some uh, kabuli palau or something for them to eat if you're kind of just a low-level taliban or something i might put out some nuts mm-hmm. or some cashews or something like mm-hmm. that and some tea um if you're really moving and shaking for me, I'll have the beverage of your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like orange pop, grape pop, Bebsy, as they call it, um, Coke, whatever you want, I'll try to get it for you and mm-hmm. make sure it's available for you. So you like to smoke. I guarantee you love Marlboro reds. Cause that is the that's bees knees like. to them. Yeah. Cause they can't afford it and they're hard to get. So I'm going to get you Marlboro reds if that's what you want. So, um, Yeah, that's the process. But then there's another process behind that, which is this guy has some access, but do you know anybody who can do that? Do you know anybody who can do that? No. But do you know somebody who can do that? Okay. Well, introduce me to him. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you know somebody who can do that? Right. You do. Well, then introduce me to him. Right. And then you just have to keep building. And uh, so that's how I was doing it. That's how I got with Haji John. Haji John worked for the Taliban government in Mm -hmm. the 90s. And he came in the first time with his documentation, which I asked for, and Mm -hmm. I reviewed it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I couldn't ask for better bona fides than this, because if you come in and just say you're in the Taliban, I have to take you at face value unless you have pictures on your phone with other Taliban members, which would always be helpful. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah. And so um, Haji John was able to show me documentation and he proved that he was and He was super smart Mm -hmm. and the Afghans have a saying, chalak, which means clever. It's not the same as intelligent, which is Hoshiar, oh, he's Chalak, right. which means he knew what he was going to do from the moment he sat down. So we were playing chess, not checkers at that point, like right. it was with everybody else. Right. And I was just jumping the shit out of him. But he was playing at my level. Like he knew what he wanted because and he, he knew it, what he was going be- to tell felt, I felt, and that's very highly alerting for an intelligence officer because I felt he's done this before. He's met yep. intelligence officers before. Yeah, yeah. He, knows, he knows the knows game. My game. Yeah, he knows yeah. my game. He knows my game. He knows how to play. So I'm like, oh, interesting. And so it made me wonder maybe he worked for like their intelligence bureau or right. something. Maybe like, he's checking what me what out. What the hell is yeah. going on here? Yeah. But he slow rolled me and he'd give me tidbits, you know, and of course I'm paying him and he'd tell me a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And then. How old of him?
1: How would you describe him? How old of a man? Uh, I'm not going
0: to say his age, but. Yeah. um. You know, uh, not that old, uh, not that young. I'll let you figure out the buffers in between. Mm -hmm. But um, an interesting guy because he was very religious. Uh, The very fact that he has haji in front of his name means he's been to the hajj. Mm -hmm. So he's traveled, Mm -hmm. which would make sense since Mm -hmm. he worked for the government. Um, So he's educated. And I can tell, Um, you know, he had been through the madrasa systems. He had the Quran memorized. Which is no easy task by the way. Try no. memorizing the Bible. Yeah, you know, yeah. It actually is not easy to just no. recite the entire Quran from memory. Absolutely. It's not. pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And um eventually I told him, you know, this nickel and dime shit, it it's not working for me anymore. Yeah. And if you can't, So what's he giving you? Like names of people? Yeah, names or like phone numbers, and that's all right. good right. at first. But then eventually he runs out, you know, because you only have so many. Right. And then and I'm like, I know you fucking have 400 in your phone, so like, right. let's stop being Mickey Mouse and like just give me a payload. Right. But he knew, well, then I'm gonna cut sling and right. just go, you're done. And um, so he decides like, well, what if I could introduce you to a Taliban commander? And I was actually kind of mad, because I was like, oh, what the fuck, man? You've known a Taliban commander this entire time? I'm talking to these little peon fighters you know, t- telling me about some IED they planted, which, hey, that is important yeah. because we were able to take those off the battlefield. That is important. But I'm trying to get to who's making these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So I meet, I say, you got to introduce me to this guy. So then he does. And uh this guy's very Chalak as well. And yeah. he's a Taliban commander and he too can show me photos of all of his soldiers. And I'm like, okay, he's legit. And I can tell by the way he talks to me that he's right. legit. And then- you know, he taught me so much. <laughs> this is sound really bizarre to your listeners. I almost felt like in a different world, we could have been friends. Hmm. Meaning like if it were just me and him yeah. in Georgetown and he wasn't super religious Taliban, <laughs> you know, he and I would probably bro out. And again, you're hearing this going, what the fuck did he just say? Yeah, No, but like he he really wanted me to understand his culture. Like he forgot he was Taliban. I never forgot I was CIA, but he would forget sometimes. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. My name was Marai in uh, Pashto, it means yeah. lion. And he would go, Marai, Zmarai, Marai. like, listen to me. You gotta understand this. This is how Afghans think. This is how we really think. Yeah. You, you think we think this, we don't think that shit at all. And so he's really educating me and teaching me like, no, 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 no throw that out the window. Yeah. This is what the Taliban wants. No, no, I I know what they tell you. Da, 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 da. And so he's telling me all of this and then um I said to him, "Well, look, Mahmoud, you know, we've been doing the dance for about a few months at that point. I'm like, these IDs that some of your like guys are planning, I want to know are you giving them to them or like how is this all working?" And he's like, "No, I mean, they can do whatever they want." I'm like, well, "But wait, you're their commander." And he's like, yeah, when it's, I guess, time to fight, but it's not fighting season, so I don't give a shit what they're doing. But you're their commander. And he's like, dude, they're scattered around. Like if they wanna come back and fall under my command, they can't, I'm like, there's no structure. And he's like, no, I mean, I am in charge, but I don't even live there. You know, like he was fighting in like this other province because that's where they told him to fight, but he didn't live anywhere close. Huh? He would just come there when it was time to fight. And what was the fighting season? The fighting season usually starts May Uh and lasts through the summer Uh into the fall, but the Taliban does not fight in the winter. And even with this recent exodus, that's why a lot of people are like, why the fuck didn't we do the evacuations in the winter? So the Taliban goes to sleep, they hibernate, but she did it in the dead of the summer when they're hot and heavy and they're yeah. unified and they're taking orders, dumb. Yeah, you know, makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have came rushing in in right. the winter time. They're not going to fight. They don't want to. And why? It's just the, too it's cold. Some, but yeah. it's Pashtun Pashtunwali mindset. We don't fight in the winter. We just don't. It's not a fighting season. <laughs> right. It's stay-at-home season. Right. You know, take care of your farm and your family. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's just, it's the mindset. And again, wow. that's mind blowing to you. But right. he's looking at me like, how do you not understand this? You're
1: here. How do you know we don't fight in the winter? We right. don't. Why don't you understand and, this? And, and and the other, the CIA leadership, the other people above you understand this? Or are you learning this from this guy? Uh, okay. So I'll make one other
0: side note here. And then yeah. I'm going to get right into uh, the operation itself with yeah. Mahmoud leading me to Wolverine. But my directive from higher was stop worrying about the Taliban. They are not important. Doug or Steve, stop it. Stop focusing so much time on these little Taliban fighters. And I'm going, but they're uncovering IEDs. The military does that, okay? Yeah. We need you focused on Al Qaeda. We need to find Bin Laden. And I said, I can assure you, I will bet my entire career and my life savings He is not in Afghanistan because I know so many Taliban guys that are connected. They would have known and they would have told me we would know because somebody would have had to protect him or somebody would have had to given him clearance like a shadow governor would have had to say, yes, he can pass through my town. But a shadow governor, they're going to be pretty greedy. They're going to go, actually, I'm going to kidnap him and I'm going to sell him to the Americans because I'm going to get a hundred million dollars. (laughs) Like then I'm going to move to Dubai. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So like people conflate that and think that the taliban and al-qaeda are best friends no yeah. or like even this isis case stuff no it's just they're like all right you do you but if you get in our way we're gonna we're gonna wipe you clean this is yeah. our country watch your step right tread lightly so i learned all of that from you know Mahmoud and but again the directive was stop it this is not worth your time mm-hmm. you need to be going after bigger targets mm-hmm. okay so mm-hmm. on so I had to kind of do this as a side project. So with Mahmoud, I say, look, I want to know how these guys are getting these IDs, like who, who's distributing them. As I understand it, they're manufactured in Madrasa's. And he says, yeah. And I said, okay, so like, who's the big Taliban guy in charge of that? And he said, well, it's not a Taliban guy. It's it's I'll use the code name. He told me his real name, of course. He's like, it's Wolverine. And I'm like, who's that? And he's like, you don't know who that is. I said, no. And he's like, I can't say the town. So um, yeah, so he's like, it's Wolverine and he's not in the Taliban. He's a businessman. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? And it was so hard to wrap my head around this because it's so foreign to what my mind's eye was telling me and what we had all thought. And so he tells me, he's like, dude, everybody knows who he is. He's the richest guy in this town. He... Buys and sells components for IEDs, and he supplies these different madrasas with the components that they order, as though he's like rockauto.com or something, right? Right, right, right. And he's getting them from foreign countries, and um, then he's acquiring these items, and he's doling them out. What do you need? Do you need blasting caps? Yeah. Do you need deck cord? Do you need fertilizer? Right. Like, what do you need? Do you need a garage door openers? Those yeah. are big. Yeah. Right? So the detonators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what? how do you want to do it? Yeah. Do you want to pressure plate this? What What are you trying to attack? Oh, a convoy. I recommend pressure plates. That way, in case your trigger system fails, you know, because you're using a garage door opener and then, you know, the signal's not working, you missed your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Use a pressure plate ID. It's so Wait. Yeah. And they run over it. Boom. Mm.
1: Doug arrived in Afghanistan in January, 2010 at the height of the U.S. military surge, which brought the number of U.S. troops to 98,000. It also sadly was the year with the highest number of U.S. and coalition casualties. Of 711 reported deaths, 368 were the result of Taliban IED attacks. According to the Washington Post, there were 14,000 Taliban IEDs planted in Afghanistan. Doug's mission was to uncover the network that was supplying IED components to the Taliban. The stakes were huge, immediate, and personal. Doug was a child of the heartland, and he wanted to prevent the deaths of other young men like himself.
0: And that's what this guy did for a
1: living. So this was his business. This was his business, and he had all of these people working
0: for him. And I talk about him in the book. uh, One guy called Iceman. I gave him all... Yeah. Like Marvel character names right, right. just because and that's not their actual code names. I just for the purpose of a book so people can digest it. Um but uh keep in mind I'm having to remember their real names and who that person is in Pashto and so and you can So these were yeah. like
1: his almost like his
0: sales reps. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I mean they're like their own private mafia, right? Put it that way. Right. And um they have a ton of money and they have access and because they're not Taliban, they can fly in and out of
1: Afghanistan
0: and go get these things, mm-hmm. or drive mm-hmm. in and out of Afghanistan and uh, acquire whatever they need.
1: And so, so, if you are a Taliban commander, you just decide what you want in terms of hardware, in mm-hmm. terms of how to, what kind of IEDs you want, mm-hmm. and you just go to this guy or one of his sales reps and give him a list. He gives you a price, pretty and, much, and, and, and you pay the price. Pretty and he much delivers it. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Pretty. And much. it's all coming from one guy.
0: Uh, one guy at the
1: top. Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, one guy was in charge yeah. for this region. So anyway, he, uh, he's running this huge network and, um, I'm like, okay, we got to take him down. And he's like, well, I mean, I can meet with him at any time because I buy a lot from him. And yeah. I'm like, man, I am treading on such thin ice because I'm kind of paying a guy who's affiliated with IEDs. I got to make sure he's not still doling out IEDs that might kill you a US soldier so I had to make it really crystal clear. Like if I to ever, Mahmoud. yeah, to mock mood. If I yeah. ever hear that you did that, you are so terminated. Right. And I don't mean terminate doesn't mean killed, but it means fired. And then probably there will be consequences afterwards as well. Yeah. Cause I'm going to inform the Afghans right. who you are right. and give them your picture right. and your cell phone and all that. Right. So he knew just, so he was walking a, a, a type. We both with were, you, we both, both were right. And, uh, so I constantly was in contact because, again, I don't want to come home and get arrested. So I was constantly in contact with headquarters and my boss, is this okay? Is yeah. this above board? Right. I want you to know what I'm doing because right. I don't want to go to jail when I get home, okay? Everything was cleared. Right.
1: This is all documented in cable traffic. Because it get- turned out that if you were giving money to a Taliban commander mm-hmm. who was using that money to buy ieds to kill american troops yes then you're screwed right so i had to negotiate with him
0: you have to stop fighting so take like a respite like take a break and tell them family issues right isn't that weird that the taliban does that too because they did because he did my wife's sick and they're like okay take take this season off and you're like what the yeah. Taliban can like you know, take time yeah. off for pregnancy or whatever, you know, right. like, family well, leave. What? Yeah, family leave <laughs> with the Taliban. Right. And so, uh, yeah, he um, he said, I, "I'm not going to fight this season," you know, "but I'm still in the Taliban." And once my wife gets better or his kid or whatever excuse right. he used, my my father, probably his father, um, who knows? Um, and so, what I was having him do was buy me lots of components lots of components because then we wanted to review them Mm because now we knew what the enemy was working with and this Mm -hmm. was the first time that's ever that we've really really cracked the code it's kind of like yeah the enigma you know what i mean like i now have your cipher so we knew what type of deck cord they're using we knew what their capabilities were how powerful they could be bring me everything don't ever drive a vbied up here (laughs) because you will be murdered (laughs) don't ever bring something that's live right that's connected. Make sure right. everything's always disconnected. Right. Okay, Um and he did, and he'd bring me this stuff, and, and we, you have we technicians loved it. Ch- yeah. checking all this stuff. Oh out. yes, and yeah. they loved it because now we. Oh my God, this came from. Oh my
1: God, right? They can get their hands on this country's type so, of things. So now these guys can get the debt cord and get the components and track them back to the country of origin, and the suppliers. Wow, and you're finding that it's all. Very legit. It's not like some underground guy no, in a madrasa putting <laughs> wiring stuff together. Well, I mean, it was rudimentary. The
0: people who were doing it, I mean, yeah, they knew how to do the basics, right? Okay, I mean, they're not playing with Semtex and C four and like you know doing serious digital stuff. No, it's basic things, you right. know. But the components are yeah. good components, and even if they're like outdated components. You can still, you know, check it and go, well, okay, Afghanistan does not make these, period. Where did this come from? And this came from country XYZ. That's 4,000 miles away or 5,000 miles away. How did that happen? Ask him, Doug. You know? yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That was my job. And so then I'm going, okay, here's how that got into this country. Yeah. Because we want to know that. That's very important stuff. So I started to really go down that rabbit hole. And, um... Again, I can't say and I know I got redacted so I'll dance around this. There is a document, what would I call it? Like a clearance document, um, a permission document mm-hmm. that is nearly impossible to get. Legal has to grant it. Mm-hmm. The director has to sign off on it, mm-hmm. okay? And I'll let you, your imagination guess what it allows you to do. And I had transferred to another black site at this point and, and um i'll just say it out loud it was in kandahar because everybody knows we are in kandahar that's no secret Okay. Right. so it was in kandahar and i took those guys with me yeah, and, and abdul are still and Ajijan, there those three guys all those guys i'm still yeah. meeting them and uh this clearance that i'm talking about this permission slip if you will uh, it's an official document and again I'm not trying to be coy. I literally can't say what it is or what it allows you to do.
1: Although Doug was transferred to another base in Afghanistan for reasons that he can't disclose, he remained laser focused on stopping Wolverine in the IED network. He tracked down the supply chain. He found out where Wolverine lived and worked, where the components were coming from and where they were being stored. In order to take down Wolverine and destroy his network, he needed authorization, which could only come from the White House. Yeah. So you can imagine
0: the gravity of this document. I started that when I was at my first base mm-hmm. and got it as my tour winding down, mm-hmm. and I'm hunting the Wolverine. I got this document approved, and I couldn't fucking believe it because I was like, oh boy, and I think I say in the book, the warship has turned around. And when the warship turns around, it doesn't want to have to turn around again. And so I inform mahmoud that like, it's time to put a stop to what Wolverine's doing because I don't like it. And thanks for all of the information, but let's figure out how we can prevent this from continuing. And uh, so we start going over some stuff and then um, I had that document cleared for all of about a week. And, uh, Mahmood calls me and tells me that, um, one of his, um, one of, uh, Wolverine's lieutenants mm-hmm. killed the other lieutenant. They got in an argument about money or something like this. And so he executed him. Like he wow. just shot him in the face. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, what does that mean for the structure of everything? And so we're talking about it and he's like, dude, there's going to be fallout for this because Wolverine's going to be pissed. And like... There's other people who are involved right. and it was a coup and right. he's gonna think they're coming after him. Right. And so who knows? And I said, are you involved? And he yeah. said, no. So as we're kicking around, I said, Mahmood, can you become Iceman? Yeah. Because you're trusted. It's time yeah. for you to step up. And he's like, I mean, how? And I said, ask him. Yeah. And he goes, well, you can't just ask. And I said, you don't just ask for it. You ask him what would it take for me to assume that position? Right. You know, like, what would you need me to do or what would you need me to provide, Wolverine? What do you think? And I said, and whatever you need to give him or provide, I will give to you. And so um, we hashed it over and we came up with a game plan and then he approached Wolverine and Wolverine didn't really want anything. He's like, oh yeah, okay,
1: yeah. I need somebody to fill the job. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then of course I, I i will touch this just and i won't say anything it was completely redacted this is the biggest redacted part of the book like six pages worth um wolverine says all i need you to do is this and basically it was a vetting process i can't talk about it yeah but he had to vet him Yeah, had to travel somewhere and you had, had to do some stuff yeah okay yeah okay so he gets cleared and he's like i'm in and then um He's in. He's doing yeah. Iceman's job. Like yeah. He's him now. So he's meeting now with Wolverine? Every day. Every day. Every day. Sitting next to him. Wow. And he's taking pictures of him, like surreptitious little pictures. And right. So now we know what Wolverine looks like. Never before seen. Whoa. Okay? And so we're like, oh, my God. We got his pictures. And then we got his cell phone numbers. Whoa. And now we're kind of able through both. So you always want to be able to corroborate information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're able to see it like on a map Mm -hmm. as well as what Mahmoud is telling me. And they say the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's veracity. Ooh, baby. Mm -hmm. Now I have a source I know I can trust. All right. That means right in the inside. When I give him orders, because this is verifying everything he's saying, I know he's a truthful guy. So I can give him orders and then I can see if he actually did it. So we love it yeah. and we're getting all of this great information and it's really shedding light on things we totally didn't know about before. Right. Or if we did or we suspected, it's confirming things. I should right. say that because I don't want right. to sound like the Messiah. And, or,
1: go Doug, ahead. Just for a minute, What and Mahmoud's motivation is just money or is there more to it than that? Yeah, and look, again, I know people in
0: the intelligence community, if they listen to this, they're like, this fucking guy doesn't know the first thing about intelligence and what i would say to you is the way you do it i took the trailer park into this yeah and you if you're thinking that you did not live the life that i lived i know when you're poor as fuck and you're hungry and you don't have electricity uh, money is the most important thing i don't care it's not religion right it is not right okay and it's not because he loves democracy and he wants to come to america and all the things we've been fed it is goddamn cold hard cash. Right. So, like for him, it's like, hey, for you know five hundred dollars, will you give me that guy's number? Oh man, I don't think I can get it. I'll give you a thousand. I just and he's not trying to ratchet it up yeah. like a car dealer. Right. He's just like, I, I might get killed. I'll give you five thousand dollars. I will have it tomorrow. Now he's willing willing to risk his life, right? Because you gave him a valuable offer. He's doing it for money. And so, uh, yeah, he kept doing it for money, and we got all of this phenomenal information. It was the best. And unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, because I was getting pretty burnt out after back-to-back tours, uh, my time is almost up, Mm -hmm. and we haven't uh, utilized that permission slip. And so uh, I come up with a game plan, and I have a colleague who I trust on my base, that I really liked, Jimmy, okay? And um, we come up with a plan and he's going to start handling, as we say, uh, Mahmoud. And um, he's going to pick up where I left off. So I introduce them and say, you know, he's my brother. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this is my brother. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he really thought we were blood brothers. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is my brother. It's because that builds a trust. He's my brother, so you have to trust him too. And um, so, yeah, I I had to leave the country. Yeah. You know, why would I? Why would I extend? Yeah, I was extremely
1: passionate about it. Right. And there's, you've got a girlfriend back in Washington. Oh, yeah. You got a family. Yeah. In, none of them in, knew in what I did, but yeah. you know, I did. And have you've been a, lying to them the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. No one knew what I did, but yeah. You, I mean, look, I'm still human, and people forget this about the CIA. It is still a job. Yeah, it's a lifestyle but it is still a job there are days you wake up and you're like uh, i don't want to go in today i'd rather just lie in my bed and watch netflix right
1: <laughs> but Sorry. you can't yeah. you know
0: but you can't but you do have those feelings and sure. you know what i tell people we're still human we get sick our kids get sick someone dies well you don't get to go to that funeral when you're in afghanistan but like if you get sick you do have to stay in bed you know but like we are humans still we're not robots right and guess what else we do we fall in love you know and you, you fall in and out of love and like you can't help that feeling that i really miss this person you can't see her in three years you, you can't yeah. stop that
1: yeah and if i don't get back yeah she might not be there anymore and
0: so then yeah. you're going well yeah it's selfish that i want to go back because of someone i love my right. girlfriend but this guy is killing people i'm just I, I'm gonna trust Jimmy. Yeah. I'm gonna trust his training, just like I trusted mine, and I'm gonna support him every way I can right. from headquarters. But my time here is up, and I'm not gonna extend, and I am going to hope that he can pull this off, and if he doesn't, I'll regret it, but I'll live with it,
1: and we'll see what happens. And so I went home. At this point, it was 2012, and Doug had just returned to D.C. He found the transition difficult. He had spent years setting up this operation and now he was supporting his colleague Jimmy from 7,000 miles away. See, I'm giving him inside baseball because I'm going this is how
0: Mahmoud likes his food. This is the drinks that he this is his, oh don't forget Marlboros. and oh 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 don't give him pistachios. He only yeah. likes cashews. So I'm telling him the little things that make him replicate me. So um what a benefit it was for him in that my presence dedicated to one mission because people just left me alone because they knew i was burnt the fuck out they also knew what i had done and accomplished and what i was working on and that permission slip was in effect and people were aware in my office this is a big deal nowhere near a bin laden i get that right but this guy probably is killing as many people because those ieds are like you said, that's 80% of casualties, and a lot of them are coming from this guy. So he actually right. is a really big bad guy, and so we want to do something about it. So uh, one morning, I came in on my birthday. I was probably turning 29. Can mm-hmm. you imagine that? Wow. I know, 30 yet. And uh, so we were going to go out and celebrate go to a club or something in D.C., and so I came in early, and I had a uh, message from... Um, jimmy and it said it get a hold of me directly that had been sent like 10 hours prior yeah. you know and so i immediately like message him because you can you see it in zero dark 30 mm-hmm. we have like an internal messaging like instant messenger kind of thing mm-hmm. instantaneous mm-hmm. and uh i'm like yo what's up and uh he's like bro we got him and so i just hit space bar enter yeah. which as you know just leaves a empty blank thing and he's like for real and I go space bar enter. because <laughs> I'm in total shock and I yeah. have horse blinders on at this right. point. And he's like, yeah. And then he fills me in on what happened. Okay. And I have to be very delicate here. Right. It's a different country yeah. where this person is located.
1: Right. This is where Wolverine was operating the whole time in this different country. Yeah. He's, the, he's in a different country. Right. At this point in time. Mm-hmm. Okay
0: and we knew he was there. And we also knew he was never going to be stupid enough to enter Afghanistan. Yeah. The second he would have entered Afghanistan, we would have like effectuated and got with the, you know, the actual Afghan army or NDS
1: or ABP right. or ANP and had his ass arrested. Doug knew that if Wolverine and members of his network entered Afghanistan, he could easily take them out. Wolverine knew that too. And he was careful not to cross the border. Instead, he remained in Pakistan where he and other terrorists, most notably Osama bin Laden, were protected for reasons that Doug can't go into here. So we were
0: moving heaven and earth to get this country's like police force to arrest this guy. Yeah, because we knew exactly what he was doing. Okay. And uh, we did that's kind of how this went because we just kept going hey kind of like yeah it's zero dark 30 it's been 200 days 300 days 400 days that's what we were doing to these people and so uh, they finally arrested so we were like okay jimmy told me the whole story and he's like we knew this was going to be the softest landing for them ever what i'm sorry i can't get more detail what the wolverine was doing at the time this was a layup that like rookie cops at the academy could have pulled this off with a blindfold on this was the easiest and we made it yes i mean you could not have silver platter meat cake with cherries on top and whipped cream okay and so they're finally like oh okay yeah fine we'll do it fine so they did all right and so i'm like ecstatic and i started like shouting in the vault and then my (laughs) boss comes over he's like what's up and i'm like i tell him we got the wolverine he's like get the fuck out of here man like are you shitting me get in my office right now and then we're kind of like dancing and (laughs) you know like yeah and i'm like you know popping it and dropping it like it's hot because i'm super excited and that's what i do um i like cardi b (laughs) anyway he's like dude go for a run and i i said i'm not going to the gym i'm running around the fucking facility yeah and so I just in the by the way the CI is huge. If you yeah. ever watch a movie that does the helicopter flyover, that's a big compound. Yeah. So I just started doing laps around it, <laughs> and it's cold as shit. Yeah. And I'm like my lungs are burning, but I this at the time that was even a bigger accomplishment than the farm because it had real world right. consequences. Of course, you're and saving I, lives. Yeah. I took somebody off of a battlefield. Right. Well, Jimmy did. Yeah. I got to give credit where credits due. I yeah. didn't. But I started it, right? right? He's the one that finished it. So, look, that guy should get the intelligence medal. Personal opinion. If he hasn't already, I don't even know if he's still there. I can't talk to him because if he is, yeah. he's covert, and I shouldn't talk yeah. to him. Um, but shout out to Jimmy if you hear this. Anyway, um, so I come back in, and um, I'm like, "All right, chief. Like, I'm, I can't get. I can't do anything the rest of the day." And he's like, "Dude." you have my permission, just go home and celebrate your birthday. Like you deserve it. And I'm like, awesome. So I left at like 10 AM and uh, then got together with all my friends and we went to a nightclub and I pushed it to 11 and (laughs) there's ice in DC in the winter time, believe it or not. And if you're walking on those cobbled sidewalks of Georgetown, they get pretty slippery. And I fell and I broke my ankle at probably like four in the morning because I got really drunk. And so now I have to get like pins in my leg and it was a whole mess and I was staying home because I couldn't walk and so on. But I didn't really, honestly, the, now that I've had to reflect on it, I didn't care because in my mind, my job
1: was done. Well, you're letting go of like probably three three years of uh, accumulated. Blowing off a lot of steam. Yep and um then
0: eventually i get the cast off and i can walk and not nah on crutches and i start coming back into work and um the uh chief tells me that um yeah uh hey, i got really bad news for you and uh, i'm like okay and uh he's like um uh, they they let the wolverine go and they being that host country. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, um, they they released him. And I said, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I knew what it meant, but yeah. I didn't want it to mean what I knew that it meant. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they they released him, he's yeah. free. And I said, how? <laughs> you know, I could yeah. do like one, I could speak right. out like one right. word sentences. And he's like, um, well, they said, we just didn't have enough evidence. And I was like, "I have three years worth of like phone numbers, yeah, and connecting him. We have his like fingerprints. We have him pictures of him handling these things.
1: We yeah. have Testimony. We, we have
0: yeah. everything, yeah, okay. We've listened to him. We know, I know him as well as he knows himself because mm-hmm. I hear him privately. Yeah, I know this guy what are you talking about? They let him go. And he's like, you know who these people are. And he's like, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Knowing what this guy knows, maybe he actually wasn't released. Wink. And I'm like, oh, well I can live with that, but I cannot live with the fact that you've released this guy back into the wild. Cause he is going to go right back to what he's doing. And he goes, I don't know. But the official report i just read said he has been freed so ultimately the like the conclusion and what he left me with was i guess we'll never know yeah and i'm that doesn't work for me yeah you know i'm like we're we're the goddamn united states of america why can't we say to these individuals of this other country this is important to us if you're going to do one thing for us in this global war on terror this month, yeah, you're going to do this. This guy's killing our men. Yeah, we yeah. we need to know. Yeah, what happened? And if you extra judiciously killed him, then cool. just tell us. Yeah, they won it, and they were like, "No, he's gone. He's gone with the wind." And uh, so I took it hard again because I'm stupid, and then just stayed at home, and I took. Uh, not medical leave, but like just vacation leave, and then just was like drinking and watching, trying to watch like Saturday Night Live and Netflix to like try to like still maintain some semblance of non-depression. Yeah, you know, because my biggest achievement in my life became my biggest failure in the matter of like a couple weeks. Yeah, and it was hard to handle. Yeah, you know, because I risked my life. to do it, and then you're told,
1: and it doesn't make sense. Some chicken shit
0: answer. Right?
1: Yeah, we had to let him go. After three years of tracking Wolverine, night and day, Doug was told that the Pakistanis had let him go for reasons that weren't explained. Doug speculated that he might have been killed by the Pakistanis or he might have been let go and was rebuilding his network or living large in Dubai. He found it really hard to deal with because he'd put everything into finding Wolverine and he was being told to just forget it and move on. And what happens to Mahmoud and mock Mahmoud and when he hurt,
0: well, I believe we had told, I believe Jimmy had told Mahmoud, like, um, we're gonna do this. So you right. need to like get Chill. away for a little bit. Yeah, And so he fled. And now you gotta also understand the CIA can be pretty callous. Like you have to have something of value for us to give yeah. you something of yeah, value, yeah, i.e. Right. money. Right. He's lost all access. Yeah. He's not a value to us anymore. Right. Sorry. If so he's sounds just really, let go. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know if Jimmy gave him a parting bonus for his awesome. Right. He, he probably did. Right. But you don't have any value to us anymore. And so we're not going to keep you on the rolls if you can't give us something that we want. Sorry. That's yeah. really cold, but that's yeah. espionage.
1: And did Wolverine ever surface again as far well, as we know?
0: So after all of that and I came out of my funk. Uh, I got assigned to the Syrian task force. I'm not even going to bother talking about most of that. Cause it's so eggshells, but I did that for a year. And once you move on to like another division and another organization, another unit, you do lose all access to that. It's called need to know. Yeah. I did not have a right, or a need to know what's going on in Afghanistan. If I'm working Syrian things and likewise, vice versa, I lost all access to Jimmy. Now I could still talk to Jimmy, but Jimmy. We both knew, as case officers, he should not be telling me anything. Right, and if he had, I'd be stopped there. Yeah, because these can be read. Don't tell me anything. I'm not read into that program anymore. Oh wow, so it's that that compartmentalized. Oh, and you take it very seriously, and you know that's why they let us write the book in the first place. Because they're like, well, he's writing about terrorists, and he's not really giving away actual tradecraft. That's war zone tradecraft. Yeah, and so for that, like, they were more lenient with us. Whereas I right. think. If I had served in Russia, they would have said, you're not writing a word, you know? And so I think they probably, if I had to guess, saw what I was writing and they probably thought a variety of things. One, you know, that's a hell of a story. And it's a it's a good one for us. It shows that we can do our job because mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think I did that without support, you're wrong. Of course, all the technology I needed, right. all of the equipment I needed, right. all of the support. The... No, and you you survived. Yeah, it kept you alive. Yeah, they did. <laughs> right. Yeah, they did. Because um, you were totally vulnerable there. Oh yeah, yep. and think about all the people they had to hire to protect me. Right so look i thank them for that you right. know this didn't happen in a vacuum i don't think that i was superman there were hundreds of people that helped to bring wolverine down and if you hear that and go oh my god he's really drank the kool-aid read the book no i didn't yeah man do i call him out further shit yeah, yeah but i still definitely am very proud that i worked there and uh, it was a true honor
1: thanks doug the book has left a boom uh for anyone who's interested it was a new york times bestseller and it's uh, uh you should definitely pick it up. There's a lot more detail in there, and uh, we thank you again for for, uh, sharing this with us.
0: Thanks for having me, Ralph. It's uh, always a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Doug had been extremely successful. He took down a piece of the Taliban's most lethal weapon, the IED network, and he had probably saved hundreds if not thousands of lives. After Afghanistan, Doug went to work on the front lines of Syria in an operation he is not allowed to talk about. The Wolverine mission continued to leave a bad taste in his mouth, and a year after Syria, Doug resigned from the CIA. The emotional toll had been severe. He had seen colleagues killed and friends blown up. Like many others like him, Doug had gone into Afghanistan a patriotic American, but left a lot more jaded and with serious emotional scars. As mentally and physically tough as some people may be, they're still human. As always, thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. And tune in to the next episode of Heroes Behind Headlines.